0: Good morning and greetings in Jesus' name here this morning of a risen Lord and Savior, who in John 14, 2 and 3 gave us the promise, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think of, of heaven And I think it means different things to different people. And we probably all have questions about what it's going to look like and what we're going to see or we're going to experience and what questions you may have. And so before we get started, I want you guys to think about that. So I want you guys to stand up and tell someone close to you what you think of heaven, maybe a question you have, all right, to get our minds thinking about heaven. So go ahead, stand up and talk to someone nearby. What is heaven to you? What do you picture? All right, you guys can sit down again. We all have in our mind a picture of what heaven looks like. And heaven, like I said, carries different meanings for each one of us. For some of you here, you have parents in heaven. You have children. You have siblings. You have friends. For others, and I think I myself fall into this category... Heaven's a little more distant. There's not a whole lot of pull there, maybe, than what some of you have because of your experiences. And so, while we agree that heaven exists, while we agree that what the Bible says about heaven is all true, somehow it's just kind of out there. And it's hard to connect the reality of heaven and the life. That we live every single day. And so, does that reality, does the reality of heaven, the fact that it is true, does it affect your life? Does it impact your life? Is it, does it hold a meaning to you as you go throughout your life? Do you think about it this week? Yesterday? This morning I want to instill in us an anticipation for heaven that will motivate us through our life here. So the title this morning heaven now and future and those are the two points heaven future and heaven present so what will heaven be like when you were standing up and talking about it you probably answered some of those questions like I said we all have a picture of what it's going to be and God through his word he provides us with some of those answers and although we wish we knew more at times there's enough there that we can get a a a vision and a glimpse and and a longing for heaven as I started with, from John 14, we know heaven's a place. Heaven is not simply a, a condition our, of our soul, some future time. No, it's an actual place. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare. He didn't say this idealistic. He said, I'm going to prepare a place. It's a place. It's where Jesus is. It's where the eternal dwelling of God Almighty, his angels, and the saints will live. But it's not just any place. It's a high place. It's a holy place. It's a place that is pure and full of glory. Turn with me to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57 verse 15. A high and a holy place. Isaiah 57 verse 15. Isaiah writes, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy this is what he says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also it is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Heaven's a high place. It's above all. There's no place on earth that even can begin to represent what heaven is. It's, heaven is high. It is above all. It is holy simply because the presence of God is there and God himself is holy. If you're in Isaiah, turn back to Isaiah 6. And we're going to read a little bit about the holiness of God. Isaiah 6, the first four verses. Speaking of the holiness of, of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim; each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. The holiness of God inhabiting that place, filling, consuming that place. Heaven is a holy place because God is there. It is absent of all ungodliness, of all filth. And if we want to live there, if we want to go there someday, then the command to us is to be holy as he is holy. The very God who is worshipped all day long with holy, holy, holy is calling us to be holy as he is holy. If we want to inhabit that holy place, we need to be holy. Heaven is a pure place. And if we want to see maybe just how pure it's going to be, let's look at some things that are not going to be in heaven. Turn with me to read the end of your Bibles, Revelation 21, to get a glimpse into what will not be in heaven. Heaven is a high place, heaven's a holy place, but heaven's also a pure place. Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in a lake of fire, which is Lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Again, Revelation 22 and verse 15, speaking of things that are not in heaven. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoso loveth and maketh a lie. None of those things will be in heaven because heaven is pure, it is holy, it is undefiled. It is a pure place. It is spotless. And surrounded with all the evil and all the wickedness and all the corruption around us today, it's hard for us to really really grasp that kind of purity and that kind of, of holiness that's going to be in heaven. Because it's so unlike, again, our current situation. And it's in heaven that the saints of God will finally be at rest from all the danger, all the corruption, and all the enemy attacks that is around us and from every single way. Heaven is also full of glory. And instead of me trying to convey that in words of what heaven's going to be and the glory that's going to be, we're simply going to read Revelation 4. So turn with me there to Revelation 4. This is John's view of the throne room. And I want you just to listen as I read, follow along. And just try to wrap our mortal minds around the glory that fills this place. Revelation 4, I'm going to jump in at verse 3. Speaking of the one that sits on the throne, John says, And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders, sitting clothed in white raiment, And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf. And the third beast had the face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not night and day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Can you imagine John getting a vision of that? And having to find the words to write what he saw? Do we grasp, do we even begin to comprehend the glory radiating from the throne room of God. Heaven's a place, it's a pure, holy, high place. It's also in many mansions, as I read about in John 14. And the question is not, did Jesus go to prepare a mansion for me? The question is, are you prepared for the mansion that's waiting you? Because Jesus said, if it were not so, he would have told us that. But he did say, there's a mansion. He's making them. Are you prepared to go get your mansion? When that call comes, to come home. Heaven's also a place where there are pleasures forevermore. We live in a pleasure-driven society. All around us, people are searching the next big thing, the next thing to give them a thrill. And you hear the phrase, whatever makes you happy, do it. That's what's driving our society. Just a pleasure-seeking society, seeking greater happiness, greater thrills, greater adrenaline rushes, greater wealth and power, and it's always just greater and greater and greater, and yet it's never obtaining, never fulfilling, it never satisfies. And the pleasures that are found are always fleeting, they're temporary, and then they're gone right away, and so there's always a greater need. First Peter 1, Peter talks about the idea that through faith and through belief in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we can rejoice and be full of glory Now. Not in the future, now. That happens in this life. If it happens in this life, how much more is it going to happen in the life that is to come? To be full of glory and to enjoy and to rejoice. Psalm 16, 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At that right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Imagine the joy when we stand at, that, at the throne of God, beholding his glory. And for all of eternity, we get to experience His pleasure that He has created for us. Pleasures forevermore. Lasting, fulfilling pleasures for all eternity. And although that was just a brief glimpse into what heaven is going to be like, what heaven looks like, there could be a whole lot more said. But the way to heaven, there's one way. If you remember a few weeks or months ago, I had the Sermon about Noah's flood. And how the ark symbolizes the salvation today. And how Noah had one way to get into that ark. It was through that one door. There was not many doors in that ark. There was one. And he had to, by faith, go through that door. God has prepared a way. A salvation. We talked about that in our Sunday school lesson. A better sacrifice that was made. There's not many better sacrifices. It's just one. Jesus said of himself in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me. The only way that we can bridge the gap between mortal, sinful man and a holy, almighty God is through Jesus Christ. It's through his death and his resurrection. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be that that find it. There's one way to God, but it's through a a straight gate and a narrow way. And unfortunately, only a few are going to find it. And stripped of everything else, we need to come to God, accept Him at His terms, enter in by His conditions, by His way, and we can find our way to heaven. And the, the narrow way is lined on both sides with truth. Jesus said, Know the truth, and it will set you free. And there's so many people that will try to tell us, You know, there, there's, there's another way. It's, it's an easier way. There's, there, there's a better way. It's not. We need to stay in the narrow way that is lined with truth. The narrow way is, is narrow, that anything contrary to God is excluded, but it's wide enough that all who will come can walk together on that way. We also need to, the way to heaven is through a new birth, where we die to self. We crucify the old man, and we're raised in newness of life. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer in that bondage. We're now adopted child of God. But it's not a once and done event. It's a decision, yes. That's the beginning of the journey. But it's also a journey that needs to happen, and a destination is heaven. And the way to heaven is also a way of holiness, And righteousness. We talked about heaven being filled with holiness, filled with purity, filled with godliness. Well, those who want to live there need to live like that now. We're not going to get to the judgment throne and all of a sudden become holy and pure and, and right. That happens now. And we're going to live that way now. Abiding in Jesus is not something that's just going to happen some future event in heaven, it happens now and if we're going to have a personal relationship with God and commune with Him like we will in heaven, that also happens now. The beginning of heaven is right now. Colossians 1.10, Paul writes, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing the knowledge of life, knowledge of God. Our walk and our life now needs to be blameless. needs to be worthy of God. It needs to be pure and upright We're fruitful, we're growing, but yet it's a daily battle, and we recognize that. You see that in your life, I see it in my life. It's not easy, it's not supposed to be easy, but it's a continuation. That call to be holy is there every single day that we wake up. Be holy as I am holy, and the way to heaven is a holy way. But again, when we think about all that heaven is, there's that disconnect that I talked about in the beginning. When we think of heaven, it just seems so so distant, so just out there. And we think of heaven, we think of what it looks like, and the roads that are made of gold so pure they're clear. We talk about the river, the foundation that is coated with precious stones, the tree of life, the light that just floods the place from God, the joy and happiness and the peace and rest that we're going to experience and the safety and comfort that we can have as we worship in the presence of our Savior for eternity. And yet, we, un- we understand that. We say, yes, Drew, we get that. We-, we-, we believe that. But yet, it just seems so, so distant. When finally, we reach out that home where we're free from all that this life has, the pain, the physical limitations, the stress, the disappointments, the sadness, the hurt, the loss. E.W. Tozer said, when the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right here on earth. And that's what I want us to get out of this, where we have eyes of faith, where, yes, that, the glass is dark, and we see through darkly right now. But we have eyes of faith, and we're looking to heaven with that expectation. We look by faith. We know it's there. We fix our eyes on the prize, and we strive for that. We focus on what is ahead, and we have so many questions about heaven. We look by faith, and we believe that. Turn with me to Philippians 3. Some common verses here, but it gets the idea of what we're focusing on and fixing our eyes on something that is not in front of us physically. Physically. Philippians 3, I want to read verses 13 and 14, where Paul writes, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or to have arrived at anything. He goes on, he says, But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Heaven contains a lot of questions, a lot of unknowns, but yet it's there. It is real, and we can reach for that through eyes of faith and press towards that, longing and anticipating a day where we too can be there. And this, this longing for heaven, this anticipation of heaven, I believe is crucial for the life of the Christian here and now. It reminds us that this world is not our home. We are not to get planted here. If we're to think on heavenly things. It can be an encouragement when we see a brother or sister who's, who's discouraged, who's down, and we can encourage them with the prize that's coming, our heavenly goal, our promise. And it can be a, be a focal point for us as we go through life, keeping us where we need to be, fixated on heaven and what that means. And also, it provides us with the endurance necessary for that journey and for the walk. Further on in Philippians 3, verse 20, Paul writes, For our convers- conversation... Or our citizenship is in heaven. From whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're longing for home. Our citizenship is not here. It's there. That's our home. And we're just passing through here. The present world, it's not the end. It's not not the fulfillment of all things. It's just a means to get us to where we are going. And that's heaven. So that longing, that anticipation... That we need, what are we longing for? Is it the mansions? Is it the pearly gates? The golden roads? The river? The jewels? The people that will be there? The Booth brothers sing a song and they say, There are jasper walls, a crystal river, and mansions fair. Oh, the sights that we'll behold are far beyond compare. And the beauty and the splendor that all these eyes will see could never make it heaven for me. Oh, it's Jesus that makes it heaven. Not the gates of pearl and streets paved with gold. Oh, it's Jesus that makes it heaven. And he's the reason that I'm longing now to go. What makes it heaven for you? It's Jesus. Heaven contains beauty. Heaven contains glory and sights that we can only dream of. And yet, it's Jesus that's there. He's the reason we're longing to be with him And if you're not longing to be in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, for an eternity, I'm not sure you're experiencing a relationship with Him now. Heaven starts now. And if we're not longing to be with our Savior, to spend an eternity just sitting at His feet and worshiping Him, I'm not sure we're worshiping Him now. We're not going to get to the judgment, and we're going to flip a switch, and then we're going to look forward to that communion with Him. When we look forward to that worship with Him, it begins now, right here, right now. So how do we create that longing? How do we create that desire and that um, passion for heaven? I think first it comes through reading. Read the word, Revelation 4. Read it over and over again. And other passages too. Read about heaven. It will instill in you a longing that is needed we're called to watch and wait. Many of the New Testament writers use those words when talking about heaven. Here's one in 1 Peter 4 where he says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. We're waiting. Remember the parable of the ten virgins? They were watching. They were waiting. They were ready. Some were not. And not the, and the idea of, of being sober is the idea of being intentional. We're not just going through life. Yes, heaven's coming. We know that. It's an active watching. Uh, Danny talked about having a storm come through. We're not going to sit there and just watch it come. We're going to be active, intentional about it. That's how it is with the end. Know the signs. Know the, the end times. We don't go through life with our head in the sand. We recognize and we know. One thing I do is I, I created a, a playlist of music specifically for heaven. Every now and then I'll just play that. Just a random list of songs just to... Think of heaven. It helps me. One other way is people can instill in us that longing for heaven. For me, that was Dan Hurst. He talked about it a lot. You could tell he really longed for it. We all need to be reminded. Remind each other about heaven. Talk about it. It's an encouragement. And also, just think about it. Dream of heaven. I don't think that your wildest imaginations will even begin to compare with what it actually will look like. Heaven. And that longing and that anticipation for heaven motivates us to live our lives here and now. And this longing should be evident in the life of the believer. We should be able to see that someone is living with heaven in their forefront. All of our life is conducted with the reality of heaven. The conversations we have with or without believers, are conducted with the thought of heaven, encouraging the decisions we make as you go throughout your life, the careers you take, the lifestyle you choose to live, the cars you drive, the homes you live in, everything is made and based with the forefront of heaven as your goal and as your purpose in life, and a motivating factor for all that we do as Christians should be heaven, and that's what makes us different, I believe. Matthew 5, Jesus says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. It's coming. Now live your life in anticipation of that reward. And all that we do reflects where we want to go. Everything that earth has is temporary the struggles, the pain, the toil, the headaches. It's all just temporary. There's something greater coming. And heaven is forever. We have that hope. Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But praise God we don't. We have a hope of heaven. Not a hope that, well, I hope it rains today. No, it's a hope that we have that full assurance that it's going to come to pass. It's a, my hope is in the reality of heaven. It's not a a wishful thinking. It's a faith-based hope on what is true. As Christians, we're headed home. And we live our life here intentionally because we're going home. We live with hope. We live with joy. We live with peace now. Yes, heaven's going to be full of joy. Heaven's going to be full of peace. But heaven begins now. I can't emphasize that enough. We live with love towards one another. We live differently. Why? Because we're going to heaven. We're on a journey. It begins now. And the longing to see, the longing to be with our Savior is what motivates us for our life now. And that's the point I want to make. That's the connection, I believe. In the life of the Christian, the longing and motivation, those two combine. When you have the longing and you're motivated for the journey, that combination right there is what links the distant reality of heaven and the day-to-day schedules that we have and live. Remember the A.W. Tozer quote from earlier? Where he said, "When the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right here, on earth." This requires us to be intentional to turn our eyes away and to consciously fix our eyes on our prize and on heaven. It's not mean we're oblivious to what's going around. It doesn't mean that we just go through life as bouncing here and there. No, we're fixated. We know and where we're going. And if we're to, as the Bible says, set our affectional things above, or to mind the things of the Spirit, or to walk into the light, or to run the race of faith, and all these phrases and verses that we hang on to, if we're to do all that, we need to be fixated on where heaven is, on our goal, on our prize. The chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and all the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. That's our, that's our goal. That's our desire now. That we are going. We take our eyes off the cares of this world. We take our eyes off the distractions around us. We take our eyes off of the stuff and the glamour this world is trying to throw at us. And instead we turn our eyes to our Savior. Our friend. Our master. Our Lord. Our shepherd. Our guardian. We fix our eyes on him. He is our rest. Now. He is our peace. Now. He is our comfort. Now, and he is our all in all. And what's the outcome? All that this earth has to offer just becomes unappealing because we're fixated somewhere else. And our goal is somewhere else than right now. And the problems and the issues and the, that we face just seem so small and insignificant. As we grow closer to the one with whom we are fixated on, Our grip of heaven, or grip of earth, loosens, and we create a longing more and more for heaven. In conclusion, heaven is our home, and we believe that, I feel. We believe what the Bible says about it. It's full of splendor, it's full of glory and beauty, mansions, and the presence of God, and so beyond our comprehension, so beyond what we currently experience in this life, that it becomes surreal and almost fictitious. Yet heaven is real. It's a real place with real mansions. And yet the problem exists when the realities of heaven become disconnected from our day-to-day life. That's the problem. The life that we live is full of, well, problems. It's life. There's disappointments. There's sadness. It's life. It's just a day-to-day living And so how do we merge the reality of heaven? How do we merge the truth of heaven, the splendor of heaven, with our daily schedules, our daily routines, the life that we live? And again, I believe that's the longing and motivation. When we we have created a longing for heaven inside, and we are motivated to get to heaven, that's the connection I feel where the reality of heaven becomes present. When we turn our eyes off of ourselves, turn our eyes off for this world, fix them on Jesus Christ, and motivates us to do all that we do for the honor and glory of God and to live our lives worthy of the calling so that one day, with God, we can be with Him in glory. I think that's your prayer. That's my prayer. And so this morning, I wanted to instill in us an anticipation, instill in us a a longing for heaven. Why? Because that will motivate us for our journey now and where we are going now. And so I want heaven to be very real in my life. Not just a distant reality that I believe in, but a present reality that I'm living. And I want that for you too. I want us all to be able to have heaven at the forefront of our mind as it motivates the decisions we make, as it directs the life that we live. And in a sense, we live right now on this sin, cursed, broken world in the shadow of heaven. No, it's not the real thing, but it's a replica of what is to come. It's a glimpse, a small foretaste, because right now we have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. We commune with him, we abide with him. Now it begins here, and then we will enjoy that forever in heaven. And so we're currently living with peace. We're currently living with joy. We're currently living with, with security because of who God is, what he has done. And what he's going to do in our lives. And so it's a little taste of heaven right here on earth. Until someday we are called home. And Jesus Christ hands us the keys to our mansion. And we get to enjoy a reward. Heaven is real. And our longing for heaven motivates us for the journey we are on. And my prayer is that you and I will live lives that are worthy of the Jesus Christ. So that one day we can be together once again in our home above. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the glimpses of heaven that you give us. And Lord, so many times as we go through our lives, as we, as we interact and deal with the situations and come up, and Lord, heaven just seems so, so far away. And yet, Lord, as we lift our eyes of faith off of what is around us, off of the problems that we are facing, with off of ourselves, and we fix them on Jesus Christ. And you look down from your throne into our lives, we can experience heaven right here. As we live, as you have called us to be, holy, pure, to walk a life worthy, we can experience the relationship and the presence of God Almighty right here on earth. And the peace and joy that is in heaven we can experience right now. And so, Father, I pray for myself, I pray for all those here, that we would create in us a longing, Father. Give, that, give us a longing for heaven, that the cares of this world and all that this world has to offer would just grow strangely dim in the light of you. And, Father, as that longing is placed inside, would it motivate us to live our life and to live our lives in a way that it would be honoring, it would be serving to you, So that one day, as we stand before your throne, we are already living in heaven. We are already in the presence of you right here. You can welcome us into our reward. We can enjoy the pleasures of you at your right hand forevermore as we worship you. Father, as we go through this week, as we do the life that you called us to do, as we fulfill the responsibilities that you have called us to fulfill, we do so in the presence of heaven And in the presence of you. Dismiss us all with your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Demetrius, give us a song. Number 716, Songs of Faith and Praise, Sing to Me of Heaven. Number 716,
1: Sing to me of heaven, sing that song
0: for that fitting song. Let's all stand for dismissal prayer. God bless you for being here and we bless you as you go forth. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a God who cares and a God who's involved in the lives of your children. And Lord, as we stand before you this morning, would you dismiss us with your peace, dismiss us with your grace. May you receive all the honor and glory as we go about our week. In Jesus' name, amen.